And today we are now into question uh, session number three. And we're going to concentrate today on the wars of the angels. Because believe me, that is a gigantic statement. <clears throat> Let me introduce it in a sort of strange kind of way from Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. That was Second Corinthians 3, 6. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. It is, as we said last week, a division between those who are into the spirit of air and those who are into the spirit of truth. In the second uh, book of Peter, chapter 1, and I think I read this to you last week, but we'll do it again here. Verse 18, And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him, meaning Jesus, in the holy mount. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Why did they have a more sure word of prophecy? Well, because they had been to the mount and they heard a heavenly voice from heaven. Whereupon ye do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. There's a rendezvous with destiny. And that rendezvous uh, is about this day star arising in your hearts. And there are millions and millions of people who need to, to have that experience, who need that experience of the day star arising in their hearts. Because the day star is the morning star. And when we read in Job 38, we read about the morning stars and the sons of God. And they existed before the foundations of the world. They existed before this earth had habitation. In fact, as angels as star angels called Ophanim, they came to this planet called Earth to create. And they were going to create new uh, persons, new entities that did not have souls, but that had the potential to gain souls. The potential to gain souls, souls has to be of the nature that people have reached a cognizant of being aware of God. Without that awareness of their being God, then there isn't much of, a, of an opportunity for people to come into that deep understanding of all the mysteries that have been hidden since the foundations of the world. So that day star needs to arise in the hearts of millions of people. Let's go on with this word. We're in Second Peter chapter 1. Now I'm reading from verse 19, a little more. 
we have also a more sure word of prophecy. If they had a more sure word of prophecy, that was an evidence and a telling that there were people out there prophesying whose prophecy wasn't so sure. That's sort of scary, isn't it? Whereunto you you do well to take heed. It's not a light issue. It's a serious issue, something that you really need to take heed of, that there are people who do not have a sure word of prophecy, which includes exhortation. And in those exhortations, those that do not have the sure word, a sure word of prophecy may very likely be involved in not the truth, but in air. And so it's a fairly, well, it's a very definitely serious thing. And it says, take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day star or the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And get a hold of this now. This is well known, should be by most everybody who reads the Bible. Knowing this first, first, no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Private interpretation is talking about human interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now here's the thing that a person has to understand. If the word came by the Holy Spirit and was not involved with anything that had to do with being man-made or man-manufactured, but it came as people were moved by the Holy Ghost, then the only offering and availability of understanding the Scriptures in the more sure word of prophecy of understanding is by getting into that Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, moving uh, and, and receive it into the heart and the mind and that is how that is how that you will come to understand. Otherwise, the letter is dead. You can read through the whole Bible. Jesus says, "You know, you search the Word because you 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 think in them you'll find eternal life." But basically, it's like the first scripture I read that the letter without the Spirit is dead. So you can read all of the uh, of of every single alphabet of of the Greek and of the Chaldean and the, the the Arabic and the Hebrew, and those are dead. Someone might say, "Well, you know, I know we've got this uh, fantastic scholar translator, and he's translated this just exactly in the English as it would read." In the Hebrew, of course, that isn't possible. Uh, 
language-wise. But leaving that aside, let me tell you what you have. Say that you have as perfect a translation as you can have in English or in some other language, whatever language you're into, of the Hebrew or even the Hebrew itself from the oldest text that that you know of is available. Let me tell you what you've got. You have the same thing that you're going to have in whatever other language that you translate it to. You are going to have the letter. And that letter, it doesn't matter if it's Greek, it doesn't matter if it's Hebrew. That letter is going to kill you as far as truth Because unless there is spirit there, Holy Spirit, the letter without the spirit will will kill you. That means it will take from you the truth that has to do with life and reality. And so it doesn't matter. Someone says, this is perfect Hebrew. This is perfect Greek. It's perfect Greek. It's perfect Hebrew. It doesn't matter. It's still the letter of the law. And except it is revealed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, you just have a bunch of letters. Just because it was spoken into Greek or spoken into Hebrew doesn't mean that that automatically is a divine understanding. And so we have a whole world of people out there, including scholars and translators, and, and and especially the Christian people who are trying to figure out what something said in the original, and they think as soon as they can find that out, then they can get behind their pulpits, and they can really preach at the people and say, well, you know, the original word. And, and, you know, I don't say that there's, there are not advantages of knowing uh, some of those roots. Of course, I, I believe in that. But unless it has been revealed by the Holy Spirit so that you can have a more sure word of prophecy as to which roots belong in which way and as to how the word is is, is uh, being understood, well, then you are just off base. Now, in um, some teachings in the past, I have given some examples, uh, like in Zechariah, <clears throat> where there was a very sort of complicated um, uh, vision given, and uh, it seemed almost so obvious what the the uh, translation of that should be. But when the angel interpreted it, what it really meant, it was totally different, not even anything alike what was expected. And there are all kinds of, of uh, cases throughout the Bible in which... Uh, uh, the word was spoken uh, in the Old Testament and it's been put into the New Testament. And when the disciples are, and uh, and when um, Paul and some of the different men of God have interpreted those scriptures, because they were doing it by the Holy Spirit, uh, they pulled it right out of, of those Old uh, Testament texts and gave a fresh new uh, kind of interpretation that seemed like it wouldn't even belong. But they were speaking by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Ghost. 
And that's what we have to understand. And that is similar to how it was when the angel Gabriel came to to um, Daniel. Daniel was a scientist. He was very learned in the books. And, and, and he was an intelligent man. And he had tried to figure things out by the books and by all the technical science things that, that he knew. But he still could not solve the riddle of the 70 years until Gabriel came, Gabriel came to him and told him what the riddle was by the Holy Spirit. And it was so different than anything that he had thought would be the case by the letter. So as we get into this word of interpretation from the book of Revelation about the wars of the angels, uh, there are going to be some things that some of you are going to hear that you've never heard before. And I will tell you this, after people have been listening to ideologies and concepts and, and ideas and, and idioms, for a long, long time, it gets buried and entrenched into their minds and and DNA and thoughts. And sometimes it's not just a simple thing to suddenly snap into the reality of the sure word of prophecy and suddenly see how that the Holy Spirit is revealing something quite different than what people had thought. I ask you on this journey of quest to bear with me with your foremost patience and with your most sincere heart in the love of Jesus Christ to be able to gain this pure language and pure knowledge that God is bringing through in this holy manifest light. We're going to be studying from the 12th chapter of Revelations. And we're going to be looking at the three different heavens. I don't know how much we will get through here because this is a vast subject and it covers so great an area of amplitude and of magnitude. It covers even across the empire of darkness. All right. Let me first read from you sort of introductory Peace Manifest Bible. In the sacred math of the Bible, many a story is revealed. One can therein learn that certain numbers, seeming to stand alone, stand in a single number that is in fact a proxy number for a plural meaning. Check out Numbers 1, 44 and Numbers 17.6 KJV It is the plan of God for all blessed creation to be fruitful and multiply. Compare Genesis 1.22 and 28. 
The term multiply is often part of a sacred resolution, calling those things which are not as though they were. Compare Romans 14:17 and Hebrews 11, 13, 17, and 19. KJV. So it was Moses, by foresight, called the number of Israel to be as the number of the stars of heaven. Compare Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. All such statements, of course, such as this, have both physical and spiritual meanings. By the same token, the 140 and 4,000, that's one four four comma with three zeros, was from a multiplication of 12 tribes times 12,000. You can find that in the seventh chapter of Revelations. The deep meaning here compasses the mere singular numbers. For on the one hand, the twelve tribes of Israel equaling the 144,000 equated a prophesied unity to come. On the other hand, represented the 144,000 measurement of the walls of the city of God. Compare Revelations 21 verses 10 through 17. Yet, in an even deeper forecast into the future, those walls of the city of God represent walls of galaxies and universes, 144,000 strong, and afterwards life in vast numbers even beyond count and times. So then, in the deep of the number thousand is a covenant number for thousand and generations compare psalms 105 verse 8 in sacred math one person is equal to a thousand persons compare isaiah 30:17 and one day is equal to a thousand years compare second peter 3:8 adding to the thousand meaning of covenant and generations is the meaning of family symbolized by the ox head. See Strong's Hebrew lexicon number 504 Elif and 505 Elif and 506 Aleph. First letter of the Hebrew alphabet meaning a thousand. So in a sense of a sacred twelve being a plural one of plural twelve being an equal to a thousand there is a rendering value of thousand times thousands in the deep of this manifest knowledge compare Revelation 7 9 one can have many things to consider and explore so then, actions taking place in the Old and New Bible Testaments can be shown to be recasts of actions on other scale and places in time and space. If not only in this universe, then in, a, in another universe, somewhere, someplace, in time or timelessness. So that the experience of Moses searching 
to fulfill a place in creation for his people of an is time was relevant to, on a different time and scale, a past time. Compare Deuteronomy 1, verses 21 through 25. Deuteronomy 1, verses 21 through 25. For God, according to Ecclesiastes 3.15, Ecclesiastes 3.15, requires the unfinished past to be repeated. Finally, the power of revelation and knowledge to call forth the divine number is always present in the potential of God. Compare Matthew 26, verse 53. Matthew 26, verse 53. And the crown of life, the crown of twelve stars, is the goal of every angel mission and the goal of every overcomer to be. Compare Revelations 2.10. Consequently, in looking at things happening on earth, historically and presently, one can consider these to be patterns, types, and shadows of God working in the heavenlies as is said in the scriptures. Now from the 12th chapter of the book of Revelations, we begin our journey about the three, about the three wars. But in order to, in order to get to the, the consequences of it all, we have to part by part dissolve any question marks and heap into the people's mind an understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit to bring forth revelation that will grow and abound in those that hear it given time. Chapter 12, verse 1, and very, very, very interesting. We start with an and. <clears throat> now in the Jerry Lee way of how I like to pronounce some words like senadaki, but we, we, will, we will give in for the sake of some of the people that have been on my case to give it the correct enunciation. Senekdoki. So senekdoki is expressed in this and. And that means that the and is expressing only in part of the revelation or of the expression that is contained in the information available. So right from that alone, we are opened up to be able to come into all kinds of other revelations. And and there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being pregnant with child, carried a cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Now what we have to decide here is who this woman is. 
because that decision is pivot to the story I want to tell you about the fallen angels. It's absolutely pivot. Now, some people teach, in fact, a good number of people and scholars and churches and pastors and evangelists that this woman represents Israel. I don't have a problem with that as long as the definition of Israel is properly made known, which in most cases it is not. So I want to reveal to you what the name Israel really means. And once you get that revelation, it will open up things in a very broad and different way. Some people say, well, this woman represents the church. And I don't have a problem with that either. As long as we understand what it means when we say the church. In fact, there's a good number of different kinds of interpretations about who this woman was. But let's get something straight. As far as it representing Israel in the limited sense of Israel as a physical nation and the offspring of Abraham, exclusive offspring of Abraham, that is absolutely the spirit of error that would teach that. That is not the case. Now, does what the composite of what this woman represent include Israel? Yes. Does it include the Gentiles? Yes. Does it include the people who are like Church of God people? Yes. This woman represents the Ophanim. And every human being on this planet today has a soul. According to the Gospel of John, every human being born on this planet has a kingdom of God within. And that kingdom of God within is called a light. So in the, in the book of the Gospel of St. John, it's a beautiful, beautifully described reality where it says, That was the true light which lighteth every man, meaning every person that cometh into the world or that is born. Every person that is born into this world on earth here, there is a light that lights that person. So in Romans 10, when the Bible says, Have they heard? And Paul says, yes, they have. For that sound went forth unto all the world, according to Psalms 19, 1 through 6. And there was no place, even in the universe, that that sound called line in Psalms did not go. It crossed the boundary of all languages. So when Jesus was preaching and looking out at the vast multitudes and he was talking about the kingdom of God is within you or the kingdom of heaven is within you, 
he was including all of those people as having within them the kingdom of God. Scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, people from foreign nations, they were all included. So this woman here represents a class of entities that came from heaven. There appeared a great wonder in heaven. This is where it starts from. Not on earth. It didn't say there appeared a great wonder, a woman standing on earth. That is not what the Bible said. It's very important that we we get that story straight. Because if we don't get that straight, then you'll be led astray as to the story of, of, of the fallen angels and the whole story in Revelations that is tied into this story of the fallen angels. Now, you know, there's two different sets of the fallen angels. There's the, there's the set that are the fallen angels of, of, that are the Ophim, the Ophan fallen angels, which are the failed messengers. Their message was to come here and create, and that got failed. Then there are the the fallen angels that were the cherubim angels that were co-owned to Lucifer. And they were very high-ranking, equal, so equal to Lucifer that they they entered and became part of the same space of his spirit and that is how they were co-owned to him. But then when they came out of him to individually use their uh, individual uh, capabilities as, as, like, as equal to co-archangels, then they kept that, that super-entity uh, position outside of, of his personification and there was a great vast number I, I explained this the other uh, day about how that that uh, one time when Jesus said come out come out of out of this man who was sort of insane acting and nothing happened at first then Jesus says what is your name and then he found out that he was dealing with legions my name is legion for we are many I, I mentioned this last week so that that turned out to be quite the thing. All right, now, now we 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 have, you know, uh, the story that we, we quoted in in uh, Job thirty eight, and um, and and God spoke to Job through the you know and said, "I demand of you to answer this. I demand it," and I I think that that demand fits every human being on the planet. God is demanding for us to know this truth. Verse 4 of chapter 38 of Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. And what would people say? Well, I don't remember anything like that. I, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> God knows better. You know, and um, uh, in the, uh, <clears throat> the 21st um, verse, it says, Knowest thou it, because thou thou wast then born? 
or because the number of thy days is great. And in other translations, it says, you know this because you were born before the foundations of the, of the world. You were very ancient, was what it was saying. Those things are tremendously exciting. So now, the holy manifest revelation is that this woman represents the angels that fell who were called morning star angels because they were under the command of the bright and morning star, which was Jesus. And they took on his name, morning star, and they were the morning stars. And it says, she being with child cried travailing. <clears throat> well, what does that mean? Well, the woman, the angels, before they fell, when they were in heaven, when they were in heaven, they were pregnant, so to speak, with their mission. Their mission was to bring forth new creations, people that, entities that had the potential to become aware of God and to eventually uh, uh, gain a soul. We're not talking about body soul, which is the physical body. We are talking about spirit soul, a soul that has an inherent right to the heaven of heavens. And so they were pregnant with this incredible thing to come to this planet and to create. But there was an interception. Because the Bible tells us, if people want to take the time to read uh, in, in the uh, 14th chapter of, of Isaiah and uh, in the um, 28th chapter of Ezekiel, you can read quite a little bit about Lucifer. And we're going to get more onto that just up the road a bit here, so I don't want to bring out too much now. Verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Now this happened in heaven. This didn't happen down on earth. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. Now let's get some things straight here. The dragon that is being talked about here has a cosmic aspect and an entity aspect. It's talking about the cosmic aspect. His tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven. Now, when we look at that, we have to understand that a lot of the, the past and the present and the future is written in the stars in the heavens. And most people cannot read what the message of the stars is saying. And that is a terrible shame. Because it's really beautiful once you come to the understanding 
of what all these star uh, sayings are about. But here we have where the drago, the, the, the dragon is located, and then his tail drawing down. Well, when you, when you look cosmic-wise into the heavens and you see where the literal dragon is, and you see where the tail is, how that it circles and sort of goes around Asia Minor. Then you begin to understand that the tail drew from Asia Minor, which is what we call Arturus, which only has a coordinate connection to the star Artura, and it's not in Buotis, the constellation, but is in the constellation of Asia Minor. Now, many, many years ago, um, in the Latin, they chose to use the term Asia Minor and Asia Major, which in Latin means bear. Uh, the Asia Minor means little bear. Minor stands for little, and you know you, you read the Asian kind of language it is is reversed. And then of course when you get into Asia uh, Major, then you got the big bear. But this is what the ancient scholars had said, and it is still true today, and people in the know. The Greeks mistakenly call Asia Minor by the Persian word Dob, D-O-B, which means bear, rather than the Hebrew word D-O-W-B, Dob, which means sheepfold. So the scholars that understand this error that's been done and, and, and been put into mythology, and they've got this, this crazy-looking bear with a tail that is totally ridiculous, they just understand, and in their mind, they just transliterate it, you know, from the little bear to, to the little sheepfold and the big bear to the big sheepfold. And it's only one, one difference of one letter that, that made the difference of those two different words. And those things are so easy to do. And that's why that we say that only by the interpretation of the Holy Spirit will you be able to know, know, know the truth. And only by the interpretation of the Holy Spirit is the, the word of the Bible inerrant. And we have different translations in different books and versions and some are saying, some are putting things into the past and, and other translations are moving them uh, into the, you know, into the present. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of things that have happened. Uh, we're not uh, putting down any of those translations, putting down any of, of those people who were trying to find what they were deeming to be the truth. We're just saying 
that the only way you will really know and understand the word isn't by some, what you might think, perfect interpretation of the ancient text. Because that text is still the letter that killeth. And it's only the spirit that whether it's in Hebrew or whether it's in Greek or Arabic or Chaldean, Chaldean really wasn't a true language. Uh, that was the name of a city and uh, that the Babylonians were involved in in their early time. So when they spoke Chaldean, they were speaking the language of that city, uh, which was really Babylonian. Anyway, let's go on. So now we've got the area where it tells us that the, that these stars were cast down from. They were cast down from Asia Minor, which is the Little Dipper area. And it says that there was a third of the stars. Well, it's not talking about the third of the stars that were there in Asia Minor, but it's talking about the big picture, that there was three groups of stars, three groups of angels that came to this world, this part of the world, to Earth, uh, to this galaxy, to create. The seraphims, the six-winged angels, whose leader is Michael, the archangel, Lord of hosts, the cherubim, Gabriel, the archangel, Lord of hosts, the four-winged angels, and the Ophanim, which are the two-winged angels, whose Lord of hosts was Yahweh. And when you begin to see this and understand this, one-third of those three groups, the seraphim were a third, the cherubims were a third, and the Ophanims were a third. And one-third was cast down to earth. Now, as soon as it says that a third part of the stars of heaven, verse 4 of chapter 12, were cast to the earth, immediately we have a transfer of the woman which was in heaven down on the earth. Why? Because the woman represents singular, singular, in a singular, pardon me, singular way, the plurality of all of those one-third Ophanim angels. So she is a, a singular plural representation. And so as soon as the third of the angels are, are drawn and brought to earth, that's the same as the woman, and suddenly she is there on earth now because she represents a singular plurality of all of those persons. Just like the church represents is represented by the woman. The woman is the symbol of the church. And when we talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Lamb is going to marry the church, which is the body of Christ, which is the people. Okay. And it says, 
um, <clears throat> the tail to a third of them were in verse 4 of chapter 12 of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth and the woman uh, um, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to de to deliver for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now I want to leave the King James text and I want to go over into the Peace Manifest Bible Book of Revelations text. And um, we'll start again with verse 12.1 in the MIV elementary level. And it was so that a merle of aeonic unfoldings began to be signatured by events taking place in the cosmos. Now don't think too lightly about this cosmos thing because a lot of people have in their mind edited that when it says for God so loved the world or when it talks about go ye into all the world preach the gospel. They think that means going into all the earth. But the the Greek word in those cases is cosmos, the universe, which matches up perfectly, absolutely beautifully and perfectly with the book of Isaiah chapter 51. And when I get to uh, Isaiah 51, I've, I keep preaching this to you, but it's because it is so important. Verse 16, Isaiah 51, 16. And I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens... H-E-A-V-E-N-S, plural, and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. The plan has always been, just like it started out in the beginning. They were planting the heavens and they started on this planet called earth. And that was just one beginning. That's the plan. To plant the heavens. Back to 12.1 elementary level MIV. It was so that a, a mural of aeonic unfoldings began to be signatured by events taking place in the cosmos. Then appeared a mothering spirit clothed with the nature of Yaviel. In the, in, in, in the uh, book of... Um, of uh, chapter 12, verse 1, it talks about woman clothed with the sun. And, and we're now getting the understanding that that is the nature of, of Yahweh, the Lord. In the vision, the mothering spirit was upon all the Ophanim assembly, and her mind wisdomed with the 12 signs of her universe. Now some people say, oh, those, those 12 signs connect to the dream that that Joseph had when he dreamed that, you know, there was the 12 stars and there was the sun and the moon. Uh, you know, that was just a really super neat revelation that was about this message I'm telling you now, but because there's 30, 60, 100-fold uh, different levels of depth, he was being given 
uh, a translation because when we say that all of the people represent the fallen stars, those stars did represent that. And when we say that the 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 father and the mother, uh, you know, are are they they represent like the head of the, of the family, which is the Lord. Uh, Paul told that story in in uh, uh, you know the the New Testament, and 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 the woman represents the church, so it's just all right there, and and it's and it's beautiful. So in the vision, the mothering mothering spirit was upon all the Ophanim assembly, the Ophanim, the people of the Ophanim who were messenger spirits that ended up falling down here, being cast down by the dragon's tail to the earth. And her mind wisdom, the twelve signs of her universe. Twelve two. And the beautiful corporate lady was in travail to spirit creation, and therefore in deep consequences of labor for birthing life. The verse in the KJV says, And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And this said, interpreted, the beautiful corporate lady was in travail to spirit creation because that's at what, you know, the intent of their heart was to do. That's where their mind still was, even though they at first were cast down. Uh, this is in this interlude before they had taken human bodies and lost their memory. And she was pregnant with creation, travailing in the spirit of the uh, creating with much labor to bring it forth. I'll explain that to you. 12.3 And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon its heads. Easy read level, the ABG. And among angels, one does not expect an interception of destiny. But in the long ago, there was such an action. It came from one of the most intelligent and beautiful cherub angels, a co-archangel to Gabriel, Lord of hosts, over the cherubim. It was none other than the masterful and ever-seeking greater fulfillment Lucifer. As I write by the illustration of terms pronouncing a depiction of symbols, I am showing how this story is embedded in a part of that which was and in a part of that which is and in a part of that which is to be. The red dragon is Lucifer, named after Un's his, meaning his love, for the constellation of the dragon called Drago, and silently reveals Un's future plans, the seven crowned heads, is Lucifer's claim of being incorporated and approved by the seven spirits of the of the uh, of God Holy Commission. The ten horns represent at the time the status of Lucifer's co-un state, representing how many angels have become exactly one in uns, uh, which means him, uh, uh, in him which have, which have um, become exactly one in him. In forward time, it also represents the three of the, of, of the Lucifer Satanic Trinity and the seven 
uh, of the demon spirits of abomination. Now, there's scriptures for all this, but, you know, I'm not going to be able to give this all to you. I think you can find the, the, the seven demons listed in Proverbs. I think it's six. And you can find this thing of the Kounin, which are shown as stones. You know, Jesus said, I can take these stones and I can raise from these stones. I can raise from these stones, uh, you know, believers. So we see that stones can represent humans and our entities. And you can you can find some very interesting things of the Kounin. Uh, uh, they don't use that word, but, but it, it is all embedded there. Uh, Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. Seven crowned heads. Compare Revelations 13, 1. Koun, the state of being one entity, although of collective entities. The Lucifer satanic trinity and the seven demon spirits of abomination. Compare Revelations 13, 1. Then another mural of Aeonic unfolding appeared. Lucifer presented a plan for the Ophanim to move to the constellation of Drago. Now the Bible says in the book of Jude that one of the things that happened was the angels moved from their first estate. And so this is exactly what did happen. They were convinced to move and the, the, the tail of the dragon drew them after all, according to Ezekiel 28, Lucifer had been assigned as their covering cherub angel. Cherub is singular for the plural cherubim. To be convincing, Lucifer used the fact that Un was a part of the Holy Commission. The Holy Commission is represented in Revelations as the seven spirits of God. Lucifer demonstrated Un's ten powers, which were as follows, nine status orders, from each status order, order a thousand co-un entities. Uh, that actually is the, is the one that you want the scripture, Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. So, for each one of those uh, arch, co-archangels that were co-owned with him, um, you know, for, for each one of the status orders, rather, uh, it represented a thousand co-owned entities. So he had thousands and thousands and thousands of cherubs that were co-owned with him. Now, let's just take a fast break. And turn over to um, Ezekiel uh, 28. Now, in Ezekiel um, 28, verse 14, it says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God that hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, of fire, that means the co-unings. Now, this is so important. Lucifer was is not an ophanim. Lucifer is a cherubim. 
and he's Ko'un. He's got legions of other angels because how it works in the kingdom of the heavenlies when an archangel is head of all the other lords, there's the lord of, of hosts, You can't have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and a thousand, uh, two thousand, and ten thousand, and more uh, uh, archangels. So what happens is when an an angel in the in the group becomes advanced and becomes equal to what that co archangel is, then they become one with that co archangel by entering in and and sharing into his spirit. They become one, and they share the same space, and they share the same mind of, of thought and unity. Now, uh, there are many people that, um, that have a problem with, um, uh, with some of this, because in the 28th chapter and the verse um, uh, 2, he says, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thou has, thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am God, or I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas, which means entities, people. Yet thou art a man, and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. We know that, um, uh, that by coming down to earth, uh, uh, that put in... in uh, a mantle on him uh, uh, that was very much involved with the man with the with the uh, the mortals. We're talking about Lucifer. Now people say, "Look, this this is not about Lucifer. This is about this Tyrus. This uh, this is a, a literal nation off the coast of Lebanon, and there's Tyre and there's Tyrus, and there was a king of Tyrus, a literal king. That's what it's about. It's not about." about about uh you know uh, uh lucifer well uh yeah i beg your pardon it certainly is uh verse 12 says son of man take up a lamentation upon the king of tyrus and say unto him thus saith the lord god thou sealest up the sun full of wisdom and perfect in beauty thou hast been in eden the garden of god ever precious stone was the covering we know that that the serpent was represented and the bible says in revelations that that's one of the names of Satan. So we know that the serpent was represented in the in in, in Eden. Now this king of Tyre, uh, Tyre and and uh, Tyrus, uh, this is many many generations later. Uh, we have no knowledge of him having lived before and been uh, in the Garden of Eden, much less uh, having the capability, as it describes here, uh, to to. Uh, be um, you know uh, uh, so intelligent that um, uh, that he's that he's like uh, perfect in his ways and and uh, he's uh, you know got all this wisdom that it talks about. But why does it say Tyrus? Well, because the word Tyrus represents rock. And according to uh, the Bible, 
and uh, I'll be getting into it a little later here, and I'll be giving you the scripture. Uh, but according to the Bible, um, in fact, I'll just give it to you now. In um, Deuteronomy thirty-three thirty-one, Deuteronomy thirty-three, uh, pardon me, Deuteronomy thirty-two, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-one. It says in there that there are two rocks. There's the rock capital and the the rock not capital. Uh, and they are they are opposite rocks. One is the satanic rock. The other is the Lord Rock of Ages rock. So this King of Tyrus, which means rock, is that description of the other rock. There's another rock that people follow, the Bible says. That other rock, of course, was, was uh, Lucifer, Satan. So Tyrus is a perfect uh, metaphor of of that meaning and when you have the understanding and the and by the holy spirit the interpretation of what tyrus stood for then the whole picture becomes clear and and it just becomes an absolutely sensational and beautiful picture okay so let's go on here a lot to cover okay uh 12:4 the dragon's tail, cosmic and metaphoric of Lucifer Satan's takeover, reproduction and, and expansion plans enticed Drew, the Ophan and Morning Stars, one thir- a one-third part of the three angel hosts sent to the galaxy for creation, to move from their first location, Jude 6, first to the constellation of Drago, and then to follow Un's commands for the dragon's earth creation plans. Surely, or sadly, what the Ophanims did not know is that this lure to earth for one purpose and their acceptance and well to do so would turn out to become a casting to earth as a result of their sin in the following Lucifer's plan. So while Yahweh and the, the Lord Archangel of the host of Ophanim and a group of Ophanim creator angels called, uh, called the corporate mother were, create, were spiriting creation, Lucifer intercepted Yahweh's creation codes and changed them to Un's own concepts. When this plot of Lucifer, Satan's, as the dragon was discovered, the original plan to bring forth souls who could advance to God awareness and God consciousness was put on suspension. So this plan that the angels had for why they came to this earth, which was which was for this purpose, let me read it, as as that corporate mother, which she was pregnant with this with this with this message, uh, you know, was was um, uh, for that for that spiriting of creation, and and uh, for you know bringing people into that that knowledge and awareness of God. So they were to have the God awareness, and they were to come into God consciousness. But that was all put into suspension when Lucifer began to intercept the codes and change them. 
Then Yahweh emptying himself, which there's literally a scripture, I think it's um, in Galatians or Philippians that says that uh, when you read it in the Greek. As was Un's plan, was born as Adam to become among humans the first person to be born with a soul. The dragon had waited for this event, knowing that once Yaviel became a human, that such an action would voluntarily set aside Un's archangel powers. The dragon would then overwhelm the corporate woman group and dominate the brain development of the Adam birth and thereby become the new head of the Ophanim Morning Star Angels. However, before this plot could be fermented, an order by Michael, the Lord of the Host of the Seraphim, was given to Lucifer to cease and desist operations. The trembles of war loomed in the thought ranges of the heavens. Chapter 12, verse 4. Then, as the temporary acting chief guardian angel uh, to direct the creator, Ophanim, Lucifer, now remember, he was put as a covering angel, so he would have been put in charge. Lucifer took to himself certain Ophanim and dispensed them with strong emphasis to work on Un's own Lucifer procreation plan and Un's ideas for the earth creation process. So it was Lucifer interfered with Yaviel's creation plans and replaced him with a plan of his own. And it was so that each time Yaviel planet Latolutions, uh, uh, as he, and it was so that each time Yaviel's planet Latolutions began to appear, Lucifer changed them. Chapter 12, verse 5. And at the advent of these charges and happenings, the corporate mothering group turned their minds toward the birthing of a savior, one who would rule with the rod of iron, command physically even over the latolution of atoms and subatomic particles. Immediately this plan was caught up into the throneship of the seven commissioners, the seven spirits of God, and was accepted and put into contingency for future possibilities. The KIV says, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up into God and to his throne. Now one thing that I want to tell you, and you've got to get this down into your mind. One of the confusing things, uh, but it's all meant to be that way, in Revelations, is that uh, the book of Revelations is not in chronological order. It is not. So just because uh, chapter uh, 20 comes after chapter 15, it doesn't necessarily mean that, 20 cha- that, that chapter 20 uh, is, after, uh, is after chapter 15 in that order. Only by the Spirit are you going to be able to understand how this all comes about. Consequently, verse 12, 25, elementary level. Consequently, the original creation plan being still in its infancy that was to bring forth a creation uh, for a new, uh, bring forth in creation a new universe progeny of spirit-souled entities 
was put into abeyance due to the fall of the messengers awaiting trial before the throne of the Holy Commission. One twenty uh, twelve six. Uh, easy read, level A, B, G. And so it was. Now let me read first the KJV. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. So it was the plan of the corporate mothering group was put in contingency where it could not be molested by the forces dark. For it was so that a place was prepared called Abraham's bosom that was given a guaranteed state of protection by the cherubim and the seraphim until the finish of a time, time and a half times. And this time, times and a half time ties into the the 70 and the 80 times 1,000 years, 70 to 80,000 years, uh, which you can find by putting the two scriptures in Psalms together, Psalms 90, verse 10, and Psalms 105, verse 7 through 10. 12.6 So the plan of the mothering spirit vanished, for Lucifer had turned the world into a wilderness. But the plan was saved in the mind of Yaviel, so that in the time of time, Yaviel could restore the mothering spirit again. Chapter 12, verse 7. KJV. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Now, that was the first war, and that war was in heaven. That was a cosmic war. Let me read it again. And there was war in heaven. That was number one war. Michael and his angels. Someone might say, how come Michael is involved instead of Gabriel? Because Lucifer was a second-in-command, high-ranking, co-archangel in the Lord of Hosts with, with Gabriel. He was a fellow cherubim, and especially one of the highest ranks. And he was loved by the cherubim. They would have been obedient. But Michael, the archangel, overrode any of them being involved with the war against one of the, their uh, uh, against uh, one of their own, especially someone so high ranking as a co archangel. So only the uh, seraphims became involved with this war with uh, with Lucifer, and the angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels. Now. We know that um, that Lucifer uh, brought into the array some of the Ophanim angels, but this also involved his own angels, the ones that was co-owned to him, which were the the cherubim equal to archangels. So when you begin to see this story, this is quite a war. Because this is a battle of the minds. And the power that these archangels have in using their mind is beyond anything 
that any set of encyclopedias or any dictionary or almost any human mind could ever imagine. It's absolutely sensationally incredible. And especially when you talk about legions of archangels that were under the oneness of mind with Lucifer. And they came out of him just like Jesus came out of the Father to do this special work on the earth as a Savior. They came out of Lucifer. And there's all of these co-archangels. They're, they're, they're incredibly empowered. Legions of them. And this is a mind war, and these have incredible minds. Now, in the Holy Manifest book, it tells the story of this war in detail. And one interesting part is where Michael, instead of using this particular strategy that Lucifer was expecting, which would have been at the highest intellectual uh, uh, area, he instead attacked Lucifer using a much lower uh, frequency of thought, totally not what Lucifer expected out of Michael because of Michael's incredible uh, wisdom and, and cunning. And uh, he caught uh, Lucifer and those other co-archangels off guard and eventually uh, defeated them and Lucifer uh, and the co-archangels and those that were of the Ophanim there lost that war and were defeated. That was world, uh, that, that was angel war, pardon me, uh, number one. Now, 12-7, the MIV. And so it was, after every opportunity made available, as proposed by the seven commissioners, seven spirits of God, was exhausted. They, they just didn't just flip out and just lose their anger and just immediately want to go to war or immediately want to, to destroy these people. There, there was eons of time in which they dealt with Lucifer and dealt uh, to bring about, uh, you know, a reconciliation. But eventually then they did have to go to this war. And it was so that every opportunity was uh, made available as proposed by the, the seven commissioners, seven spirits of God was exhausted. Lucifer, nevertheless, refused to accept any compromises. The only resort left was the consequences of war. Then began the first war of the angels. Michael, archangel of the, lo- of the host of the seraphim, brought Un's uh, mind power forces against Lucifer, and Lucifer as the dragon and Un's angel forces of coned cherubim and and defected Ophanim. 12.7 Then began a great mind war in the outer heavens between the forces of Archangel Michael and Un's seraphim angels and Lucifer and the dragon and the Satan dragon. And there was a there was war in in the constellation of the little di, uh, little dipper. Now this is what I had told you about before: how the tail of the dragon 
uh, uh, you know, of Drago wraps around Asia Minor to extent, and the planets. Uh, by the way, just so you can get a bearing on it, uh, you know, this is also called uh, the Little Dipper, and one of the main stars in the Little Dipper is Polaris. And at this time, Polaris is the the so to speak, polar star, the northern star that people use to navigate. And so it's, it's, it's quite interesting that, that that star Polaris is in that group. And there was war in, in the constellation of the Little Dipper, near to the planet home of the Father's house. The Father's house is mentioned in John 14. Let me turn there just real fast and read it. Chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And, to, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be, and whither I go ye know, and the way you know. Why did you? Why can Jesus preach to him? Say, you know where this is, you know where the way way of it is, and, and the disciples says, we don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's because they lived in the land of forgetfulness, which means becoming entwined in the in in the the flesh of the human mortal. They 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 lost their memories, but you know that memory can come back and one day will come back, but. It, Jesus is saying, you know, down deep in you, subconsciously, in your spirit, you still retain this knowledge. And and that, that is just quite an interesting other thing uh, that is, is, is just, uh, just, is just beautiful. Now, the whole group of the Ophanims then were drawn away from, from the, the father's house. They were drawn away. And um, that didn't mean that there was absolutely no one there, but there was, there. you know, the Father, of course, the Father who is the Father of Yaviel. And Yaviel's one with the Father in being co-un with them. So even though there were these Ophidims that uh, followed Lucifer, believing that they were supposed to follow the command of Lucifer according to the instructions they received, the father was not left alone because he had this co-uning. And just as Jesus came out of him, there are many, many other equal to archangels that are, that are co-uned within the father. And, and, and they were there. Uh, at the at the father's house, and then later, uh, just prior to the flood, uh, uh, and as it was in the no days of Noah, Jesus said, "It's going to happen again. I'm going to come in the air with my angels, and I'm going to I'm going to rapture up the people." He said, "This has happened before. There's two in the field, one taken, two you know, another place, and one taken, the other left." He said, "That's happened before." Well, that happened with the sons and daughters of the e of Enoch, and they were taken up, and they were taken to, uh, you know, to 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 uh, Artura, 
And they are referred to in the 10th chapter of John, the 16th verse, as other sheep I have which are not of this fold. The fold that they were was were belonged to the Melchizedek fold. The other folds all belonged to the Abrahamic fold. So he says, Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. There's going to be a uniting again of the Ophanims. But right now, uh, there's a separation. And you've got the lesser fold and you've got the major fold. And this lesser fold are those that are in the, the Melchizedek and that are in that overcoming group. Okay, so now let's go on here. We're trying to finish up this first heaven. Um, okay. So it says in um, 12, 7, and 1, the holy level 1, 30-fold, there was war in the constellation of the Little Dipper, near to the planet home of the Father's house. This event was Angel War 1, between Lucifer, Satan's dragon visionaries, and Michael, the archangel seraphim, who were intercepting Lucifer's Satan army, least the sacred grounds of the Father's house, home of the Ophanim, become promised. And the war was spread uh, from thought range to thought range so that photo translations of virtual images and positions were mind ward to block each other's side mind transmissions. 12.8 MIV, King James uh, uh, first, and prevailed not, we talk about Lucifer, prevailed not, neither was any place uh, found anymore in heaven. And Lucifer fought a powerful war, resulting in discharged spirits on both sides. Lucifer could not prevail, nor then convince the seven commissioners to allow Un, Lucifer, to remain in the constellation of Drago. Verse 12.8 And it was so that Lucifer and Un's angels were defeated, and they lost their heavenly titles and positions. 12.8 one, holy level one, thirtyfold the body. So it was Lucifer, Satan, and Un's visionaries could not prevail over Michael and the seraphims. And it was so that Michael and Un's army of seraphim uh, mentally outranked every position until there was no virtual position left in any of the thought ranges of the little dipper's stellar heavens, which shone upon the Father's house. Therefore, that which was virtual became that which was actual, and according to the angel war rules, that all angels follow, Lucifer and Un's, and Un's visionary Ophanim removed their army from the stations positioned about the Little Dipper and Stellar Ranges. Wow. 12.9. And the great dragon... And let's read KJV first. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent. There's a, the name serpent there. Called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He, he was cast out to earth, and his angels were cast out with him. MIV. And the great dragon, Lucifer, Satan, was also called the devil and emphatically uh, sent out from Un's estate 
and dispersed abroad because of being guilty of deceiving the Ophanim angels and plotting to deceive the whole world. Consequently, Lucifer, Satan, and Nun's angels were ordered to be restricted to the planet Earth and certain space regions. Lucifer, Satan, after Nun's ouster from the constellation Drago, became the prince of the power of the air. And these are the space regions I just mentioned. Or as it may be said, prince of the power of, of the galaxy spaces in the cosmos. Prince of the power of air, compare Ephesians 2.2 and 6.2, or pardon me, Ephesians 2.2 and 6.12, and compare John 12.31. Okay. The word, uh, this world, look at um, Strong's Greek Concordance 28.89, and you can see that it means uh, cosmos. Starry heavens, for the term world, uh, also is used in John uh, twelve thirty one, meaning cosmos. Okay, twelve nine. From that time on, Lucifer was called the great adversary, the great dragon, the old serpent, the devil, and Satan, and uns transfer and un transferred uns whole toll of heirs and sin to the Ophanims. Order except. Yaviel. But Lucifer, Satan, and Un's followers would become restricted to earth realm and relative space about and above earth. 12.10 Revelations 12.10 And I heard the voices of the Holy Commission, seven spirits of God group exclaiming, Now that Lucifer, Satan, has been displaced from Un's assigned cherub position as guardian of the Ophanims, the power of Christ shall go forth in strength to bring redemption through salvation to the fallen Ophanims. The Holy Commissioner court trial has concluded that Lucifer's Satan, who during the trial accused uh, our Ophanim companion lords uh, a full cycle day and night uh, to us, day and night accused to us and accused the Ophanim companion uh, lord uh, day and night, uh, before the court in the name of God, claiming the Ophanim acted wholly by their own wills and accused them to be liars if they dared to deny this to not be true. Uh, KJV, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of, of our God and the power of Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which, which accused them before our God day and night. 12.10 At that time the voice of the Arturians, progeny of Egypt pardon me, progeny of Enoch of Artura at that time the voice of the Arturians, progeny of Enoch of Arturia a physical heaven or atmosphere planet shall become very evident for the word loud as angels preaching the everlasting gospel in the sky from Zis the Arturians proclaim the kingdom of God message and reveal who the great adversary of, of Adam's offspring is who has constantly accused the destinata. At that time, the powers of Satan and Un's followers shall become limited to the earth realm.
and this war of the minds open many frames of reference deeply in repose. Many of the failed Ophanim, after Lucifer, Satan lost the war, began to see the light of truth. So it was foreseen that that to be redeemed, uh, one must take mortal bodies to overcome. They wisely appealed to their archangel, Lord of hosts, Yaviel, for forgiveness, while still in their Ophanim bodies. Yaviel, seeing their wise actions, yet knowing by the commissioner rules, Un's angels must take mortal bodies. At that time, would according, and at that time they would accordingly lose memory of their angel life and actions. Decided, nevertheless, in the spirit of the symbol of the Lamb, which is to say, the spirit of peace, to pre-agonize at the foundation of the world, the giving of Un's peace in a virtual death for the virtual salvation of his fallen angels. Therefore, Yaviel, foreknowing what, foreknowing what was to happen in the Garden of Eden and later on uh, the cross, gave himself to a virtual death before the foundations of the, of the world. And um, that can be found in Revelations 13, 8, 5, and 6. Uh, and acknowledge what they uh, must choose as as to taking on the matter of a mortal body by the virtual actions vowed to not love their angelic life over their giving uh, their lives unto death and and, and to uh, put with very much difficult uh, uh, the decision to relinquish their angel memories by taking on mortal bodies. <clears throat> Twelve eleven. Nevertheless, Lucifer, Satan, increased increased presence could not stop the overcoming process that was ongoing with the destinata. For they, by transassimilation, modeling of the lifeblood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and by the Word made flesh, gave their testimonies with such love that even the threat of death was insignificant. 12.12 And therefore began the Ophanims to rejoice, while still in the heavens before descending to earth, Lucifer Satan, however, greatly grieved and disgusted with the virtual salvation thing, dismissed Un's presence and, uh, verse 12, KJV, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows, he has, knows that he has but a short time. And departed for the earth, and being filled with wrath, began new plans that had already been brewing in Un's mind. Then said the cherubims, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for Lucifer Satan, as the devil has arrived on your planet. Beware of Un's indignation, for Un knows how, how uh, quickened Christ will make time dive. 12.12 Rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them, for I have separated you from the wrath to come. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil shall come down into Un's throne as a prince of the airways, because Un will know that there is but little flexibility of dimension remaining to win the earth kingdom for Un's self. 12.12.1 Therefore, Ophanim, although you left your first estate, in the aligned Arturus constellation of the Little Dipper, Urja Minor, 
and moved according to Lucifer Satan's leading to the consolation of Drago, which decision of error became the sin that caused you to fall from your Ophanim status and become mortals on earth. Yet rejoice, for although great epics of disaster have come and gone, and the many mortals have died, yet always some life has lived. The earth has its lovely times, but it is, but it nevertheless is a Tartarou, uh, as an ab- ab- abode for Latolution. It also became an abode for the Ophanim when they fell into manner and took on human bodies. God has chosen in the past to rescue you, and to have fall uh, you to rescue you who have fallen into matter, and have become mortals even before the foundations of the earth were set. For example, God delivered the the aid of Noah and his family uh, from the deluge by using a ship on the very waters of the deluge, an inversion. God delivered others at the same time to become mortals dwelling under the heaven of Artura. Understand Lucifer, Satan, having become devil-minded by force, had also become a prince of the breathers of the air, for a uh, prince to breathe in space uh, uh, and of the earth. Nevertheless, Lucifer, Satan's um, Lucifer, Satan, fearing the limitations of time uh, dimension, uh, for unknows knows time has no respect of persons, therefore is full of anger because of Un's dismissal as the uh, the chief Ophanim cherubimic guardian after Un warred with Michael. Archangel of the Seraphim over this issue and loss. Therefore, with great anger, Lucifer Satan has surveyed the earth and its mortals, Lucifer Satan desires, uh, Lucifer Satan's desires to reign over all the earth, uh, uh, mortals, and over and over all the star dweller mortals in the heavens. And so we see that time is quickly flying here, and uh, I'm just about uh, finished here. I've got about a page left to read on the part that has to do with with the uh, the Angels War One. 12.13, and the angel observing Un's descent to earth and the conditions for the potential Un's plans decided the foremost action would be the need to defeat the corporate mothering plan to birth a savior. So Lucifer, Satan, decided to persecute every person or organization that harbored this plan and action for the birth of Christ. And this is um, the King James verse 11. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And last page here on World War, uh, I keep saying World War, it was a cosmic war world. 1213, Lucifer, Satan, will not spare and will work with great wrath to dispose of all who will not take the mark of Un's beast. World network system and the beast will blaspheme against those who dwell in the heaven of the Father's house, Artura. 12.14 And organizations called the woman, the church people, uh, groups in the corporate mothering plan of heaven above were given two wings of a great eagle which was the guardian cherubim making provisions that there would always be a nation available where the woman could find a place to rest and be nourished protected from Lucifer, Satan's serpent people during the time of Abraham's bosom, which is a time, times, and a dividing of the times. 1214. Uh, in order to balance Lucifer, Satan's force, 
that was coming to earth. Cherubim guardians were uh, were sent as eagle wings to be spirit wheels circuiting around about the woman queen. And there was prepared a mental, and this is like the scripture says, the angels encamp about those who love him. And there was prepared a mental uh, place of mind where she could be nourished in the word through the time, time and a half time from the serpent beast. And the serpent people of Lucifer, Satan, at every given opportunity, turned masses of people, floods of water, is another way of saying uh, people, uh, to persecute the woman. The plan was to cause the woman to become carried away in the desires of people masses. 12.15, and the serpent, reversing the powers of the Moses rod, spewed water from Un's mouth, and it became a flood of armed people in pursuit of the woman queen from heaven. So it was the forces dark, and the serpent people sought to overwhelm the queen woman, but could not. Now, uh, I hope I've got enough time Let's just take a little bit of time here because, you know, there's some important things you know, I didn't really get to finish. And we talked about who is this woman. And I said, you know, it's the Ophanim people. And there's some people say, no, it's Israel, it's the Jews. And uh, so I want to cover some of these things uh, as urgently as I can. You know, the, the, the Jews uh, were chosen of God to be a pattern to the world of theocracy. And you have to understand that that's, that's what their job is, to be a pattern. And, and in Galatians 3, 23 and, uh, and, uh, and 24, uh, it talks about them being, them being a schoolmaster. And uh, that, that is, that's very, very important. Um, there, um, it is so important to understand, and I, and, I, and I just have to take the time to read a few things in Galatians, because... It, it really tells you some important things. Uh, it tells you that uh, that there is absolutely no respecter of person, like like that in Christ, that Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, they're all the same. And and I'm going to give you a fast list, uh, and it's, there's a lot of them here in the Bible, uh, where the Lord is saying in His Word, He is not a respecter of persons. Colossians three. 25 Colossians 3:25 James 2:19 James 2:19 1 Peter 1:17 1 Peter 1:17 Acts 10:34 Acts 10:34 1 Ephesians 6:9 1 Ephesians 6:9 Romans 2:11 Romans 2:11 Proverbs 28:21 Deuteronomy 117, Deuteronomy 117, Deuteronomy 1619, Deuteronomy 1619, Galatians 228. Also, uh, you know the scripture says first, first to Jerusalem, then, you know, and, and people say, well, you know, the, the, the gospel goes to the Jews first. Yeah, that's right, but then don't forget this. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Luke 1330. So that is so absolutely important to 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 understand that, and and um, one of the the uh, interpretations of the word schoolmaster uh, is found in uh, Strong's Greek Concordance seventy one, and it means to lead. Uh, that would also go along with the example of being a um, you know of being a pattern. Uh, it would that would also work out. Okay, now let's just. Uh, 
go on here with, with some important things. Um, uh, the Bible says that God has set in the church the concept of governments. It's, that's part of the gifts of God. That's 2 Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. Only the Holy Spirit is capable to lead the word, the world into pure truth. Only the Holy Spirit is capable to lead the world into pure truth. John sixteen thirteen. The government is prophesied to be on the shoulders of Jesus Christ via the Father in heaven. Isaiah nine six. Israel, the name. Remember, Jacob was fleeing Laman, and he was he was running for his life, uh, and then he wrestled because uh, you know he was going to be meeting Esau, who was vowed to kill him, and he was wrestling with this angel. We call it the angel of his presence. And uh, and uh, he um, uh, would not let go of this angel. And so this angel said to him, you know, you, you have done this. You've wrestled as a prince, which prince uh, in this kind of language is, is abbreviation of principality. So a principality is a very high rank. rank. And uh, he was named by that angel because of his endurance and persistence uh, in which uh, he finally prevailed in his wrestling with the angel. And then it was that angel that named him. And this is in Genesis 32, uh, 24 through 28. Genesis 32, 24 through 28. So the name Israel has the name E-L on the end of the word, which is the abbreviation of Elohim, which... Uh, means manifold or means gods, plural. And um, uh, and the, and 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 so the total word together is Ra'el. The the, the Israel actually means persistent. So what basically the name Israel means is persistent gods. And so Jesus tapped it off when he said, "He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved." And the Bible does say, say that all Israel will be saved. Well, how will all Israel be saved? Well, because Israel isn't just the, the physical people that, that are Jews. And I'm going to read the scripture to you on that in just a minute. Not just the physical people that are called Jews. Israel is the pattern for the whole world. And this was promised to Abraham. He was promised that, that, that there'd be the nations of the world. And there's all kinds of scripture for that which I won't have time today to read, but we will get to it. So, so when you understand what, what Israel represents, that is extremely important. And then you can begin to see the, the power of the, of the revelation and the, the government of this and so forth. Now, let's quickly turn to Galatians. And let me read <clears throat> from Galatians. There's several things in here that is so very, very important. Uh, let us start at, uh, let's get into Galatians 3. <clears throat> this is important. Let's start with verse uh, 3, 29. Chapter 3, verse 29. And if you be Christ, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you are into Christ, if you are under the salvation of, of Christ, then you automatically are Abraham's seed 
and, and, and heirs according to the promise. And then we look at verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the law was a schoolmaster. It was a pattern. But it wasn't the ultimate plan. Jesus didn't come to destroy that pattern. He said he came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. Now, in verse 16 of, a, of uh, Galatians 3, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Wow. It is so beautiful when you see, you know, that this whole revelation, verse 19, the bottom part of it, the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Wow. This is beautiful stuff, ladies and gentlemen. And it, 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 it justifies this whole revelation. It It, it tells you know, what the real truth of it is. It's beautiful. So, in uh, verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. This verifies it again. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all, A-L-L, all nations be blessed. Now we're beginning to see some incredible things here and why that I say by the spirit of revelation that this whole thing of the woman to represent all of the Ophanim, which some of them are Jews, some of them are Greeks, some of them are Gentiles. But you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.32 give no offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Now here, I, 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 I was noticing there was a minister and he was saying, this idea of spiritual Israel is just all wrong. And, and the, you know, there was no church, no church uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. And I thought, what are you saying there? What do you mean there's no church in the Old Testament? Well, look at, at Acts ch chapter 7. And let me read to you what the Bible says. And you can be your own judge of the Word of God. You've got people out there, they have good intentions, but they're ignorant of the Word. And there's a more sure word of prophecy. There's a real, true-to-God Word that's by the Holy Spirit. And unless the Holy Spirit is speaking these things, you're not going to be able to know what the truth is. And here's what it says in Acts 7, 38. Now get a hold of this and... and, and, and and, and eat it, uh, just like it's, it, it's that word of God. 30, this is uh, Acts 7.38. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. Let's read it again. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel, which spake to him in, the Mount, in, in Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received 
the lively oracles to give unto us. There was a church in the Old Testament, and it was described as being in the very place where the greatest of the miracles of Moses' ministry and the greatest oracles that ever happened were occurring. Now, when some of these people who try to be scholarly and doctors and all these things, and they make these expressions, and they say, well, you know, you can't find the word Trinity in the New Testament or the Old. You can't find, you know, uh, uh, you, you can't find the term spiritual Israel in the Old or the New. Here is what I'm telling you, and you listen to this. If the definition of a title or a statement without a title is written anywhere in the Bible, Old or New Testament, then the meaning of the unsaid title is established. A word equal to there having been a title or not. So in other words, if with contained within the Old Testament, there is not the title of something mentioned, say like Trinity or spiritual Israel, but if the words are there, that are the definition of, of, of such a title, and they are claiming that by the words that are there, then they are equal to that title. And that title is equal to the definition. Just like when you go into a dictionary and you look up a word. The word says, okay, here's what, here's what, here's what the meaning of that word is. Now, the word then equals the meaning of the word. And the meaning of the word equals the title. So they are one and the same. So if you have the meaning of the word in the Old Testament, but not the, but not the title, you still also have the title uh, by virtue uh, of it being equal, uh, uh, the meaning being equal to to the word. So so these are just incredible, fantastic things that just just need to be understood. Uh, Romans nine eight says uh, that the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Uh, there's just so many scriptures. We have to remember that Jesus Christ was of the tribe of, 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 of Judah and, and uh, he gave our lives for the whole world. So that actually adopts us into the tribe of Judah, whether you're a Gentile, a Greek, uh, a mongrel, <laughs> whatever you are, you are brought in. And, and those are the, these, uh, you know, just the absolutely uh, beautiful things. That, that have to be understood. And, you know, we come back to this trip of, to the to the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, it says, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Uh, that's Romans 11, 1, 11, and 24 through 26. And the spelling of Zion is S-I-O-N. And check Deuteronomy 4, 28. Zion is Mount Hermon, where the Mount of Transfiguration took place. And then when you look into Romans, uh, pardon me, Hebrews 12:22, you see that Mount Hermon as Zion is involved in the Holy Jerusalem, uh, involved in the other Zion, involved in all of the incredible, deep, powerful revelations uh, of who the woman is. So, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, and I come across this thing, and I, I'm hurrying here to get through. Uh, I know I'm running a little later than usual, but this is so important. Um, I, I saw this place where they said, well, you know, Israel was, is, 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 is supposed to destroy the enemies, but the church is to love the enemies. 
and and I thought, okay, so that's what they're put on uh, in, in there for. They're 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 to do, go out and their destiny is to destroy. Uh, actually, uh, that is not that is not Bible at all. Uh, I could give you so many scriptures against that that it would almost be a laughing case. But remember this: that that the two commandments of the uh, uh, Ten Commandments. One of them was love your neighbor as yourself. And and uh, you know if if they were going to believe that, uh, then their their acts of war were certainly going to be uh, curtailed. Uh, the original plan was that the angel of God would go before them and clear the way, and they failed that, and that's why they end up getting into all the uh, the, the the killing. Yes, uh, the the church is a heavenly calling, and our citizenship citizenship. I'd like to get into that someday about Artura, the Father's house. Philippians 3.20 uh, is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, well, there's so much more I'd like to go into, but I can't begin to do that uh, because we just have run out of time. Uh, it's very important. I want to take the time to tell you that uh, uh, that Ron, who is uh, the uh, uh, one of the seven uh, shepherds uh, and uh, who has the the blogs on the, the sort of like the weeping uh, willow tree uh beautiful beautiful writings just inspired by the holy spirit that he's going through a very difficult time right now and we need all your prayers uh his wife diane who's not really been uh you know a close follower to what we're doing uh but ron of course has and i'm sure that diane is a wonderful uh, person you have to just give people all the time they need. But they found a tumor uh, connected around the aorta, which is by the, that's the main vessel of the heart. And and it did turn out to be cancerous. And uh, they put her on, um, you know, uh, uh, radiation and chemo. And then if you, any, any of you people know what radiation and chemo could do to a body, I mean, it almost kills you. Uh, in hope to kill the cancer first. They really are good people. They really need our prayers. We we need your help as as a body of listeners that if you would please pray for Ron and Diane. Ron uh, has was exposed uh, to um, some uh, uh, fibrous uh, uh, things in his younger life as a as electrician and um, uh, Diane, of course, has got this cancer. They they both really need a healing touch from God. So I would like to ask you to remember them in prayer. Uh, it Your prayers do make a difference. They really make a difference. Next week, uh, we will get into World War II, uh, or as I keep calling it, World War Cosmic Universal Angel War. And we'll be talking about the rapture as a constant and we'll be talking about uh, the spaces that uh, Lucifer commands in the galaxies and some incredibly interesting things uh, and then eventually World War III you will not want to mention that to miss that I want to take just a moment for the few of you out there that need prayer I'm just going to do prayer right now our Father which art in heaven our gracious most loving Lord Jesus Christ these people that are listening and those that will be turning on to listen and those that will be involved in the Holy Spot ministry that we're doing in the in the blogs we just pray that your Holy Spirit right now will begin 
to go out through this broadcast and will begin to enter into their bodies and charge them with the energy and the power and the love and the grace of the healing of your loving, tender kindness. Just heal them, Lord Jesus. Take away their pain. Take away, O oh God, uh, the, the conditions in their body that, that is, is making them sick, that is challenging their health, that is blocking them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, just deal with them immediately in Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you so much. We will be back with you next week. God bless you.